Could I have uh, Emily Helmer and Kurt Woods come on down? Robbie Carter, do you happen to be here? Could you come on down? They didn't know I was going to do this. Um, But Emily is heading out tomorrow and is going to be heading out today and flying out of Detroit tomorrow is, uh, sorry, this is the dad part, Um, going to be flying over to Djibouti, Africa for nine weeks and uh, just serving Christ over there in a school ministry opportunity. And uh, Kurt here brought Kurt up because, well, they're engaged now, but uh, part of it as well is uh, Kurt is going to be heading out here in a few weeks going to be going up with a worship team with Cedarville to northeastern part of the country and just in ministry there, working on the sound part of the team and with what's going. I brought Robbie up here because Robbie was over in Jerusalem for how long? Four months. Four months. And before Robbie left for that with schooling, uh, I forgot to bring him and pray for him. <laughs> And uh, But we believe in a sovereign God who works in the lives ahead and knows things. And uh, so I've, with this, i have like, man, I'm going to try and commit, as we have people who are going on ministry opportunities, for us to pray for them, right? Uh, because what a, what a cool thing to be doing, ugh, to uh, have our people going around the world and doing ministry in creative, unique, special ways. So actually, I'm putting Robbie on the spot. Robbie, would you pray for Emily and for Kurt here as you just got back here? Um, are we on with that? Thanks, guys. And would, would you pray for them? Here, come on over here. And just as uh, they get ready to head on some ministry, and you've been there, you know what to be praying for. All right, bud? All right. Well, uh, Father, thank you so much for this day. And um, uh, just thank you for Emily and Curtis and their willingness to serve you, Father. And uh, we pray for Emily as she is going to be um, going to Africa. And um, we just pray that you would watch over her with just protection as um, uh, there's, there's several, it um, could be several dangers. And, but um, I just thank you, Lord, that she is uh, putting herself into a position to be led by you, Father. And we thank you for that. We also thank you for Curtis and uh, his devotion and commitment in heart song, and we just pray that he will continue and just uh, just have a great time as he's going out, um, to where he where he's being brought to by you. And we just pray, Father, that you also watch your have your hand of protection over him. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you, Lord, for their commitment, and we just pray that you continue to guide their lives in learning more about you. Mm-hmm. Um, in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, you guys. Well, grab your Bible and turn to Galatians chapter 3, Galatians 3. Isn't it cool to be having people heading around the world, especially uh, those of us who, those of them who have some uh, young years on them? Isn't that great? Ah, love it. Love it. 
Well, Galatians chapter 3, we are there. And uh, I want to give us a running start here again, just reminding us, if you're new here, where we're at in our series. Uh, I can sum Galatians up this way pretty simply so far. Paul introduces himself. Paul says, hey, what in the world's going on out there? He's writing to believers in Christ. And the problem is they're deserting the gospel. They're deserting the message of Jesus Christ died on the cross paid the payment for our sin, made a gift available, the salvation through him, and yet they're getting hoodwinked in the whole system. And uh, what's happening is he's addressing a problem, and he starts telling his story. I love the way he does it. He just says, okay, take a breath. I'm just going to kind of tell you my story. And he begins telling his story of how the gospel connected into his life. He begins telling the story then of how the gospel connects through him and Barnabas to other people around the world and, uh, and then at the end of chapter 2, we talked about last week, it's the end of chapter 2 where kind of all of a sudden he begins going from, I want to tell you a story to, I need to teach. And uh, last week as we went on that teaching just about the justification, and how an unjustified sinner can and cannot be justified back with God. And I want to tell you just the, the, this teaching is so important because these believers, and frankly, many today are being hoodwinked as well. And uh, what I want to do is I want to take 10 here and just kind of try and illustrate this here. I just, it's so important that we get what was going on there. And so in this, I want to start with two illustrations, one using our goldfish from the series and the other, uh, our bridge, that uh, kind of the waterfall thing we talked about last week, if we were here. So let's start with the goldfish image first. Um, what was Paul's message? Well, Paul's message was really this, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3 that we talked about on Easter Sunday. All have sinned, fallen short of the glory of God, Romans 3, but in Ephesians says, and you were dead, you were spiritually dead, you were helpless, unjustified sinners before God, doomed. Now that's a dead fish, not in a good place. Are we, you with me? Hey, we can have a little bit of fun. Okay, everything's cool. And, and so here's this fish. This fish is dead. It's about to be flushed. And if you will, kind of in a pictorial view, that's what Ephesians 2, 1 through 3 says. That everybody is in a place to where we're separated because of our sin and we're doomed. Why does the Bible talk about sin? Why does the Bible bring this about? Well, the Bible talks about places like Ephesians 2, 1 through 3 to be able to get to Ephesians 2, verse 4. But God, rich in mercy, abounding in love, that can take place. Listen, the Bible talks about a big sin problem, not because the Bible's like all a bummer, but because the Bible has a great answer for the problem. And if we see a teeny little sin problem, we don't see a great big grace, cool God answer. And so what happens here is Paul is communicating the message, listen, you were spiritually dead before God, but because of Christ, we can be set free, okay? That's good news. That's really good news. Well, but the Judaizers weren't quite teaching that. Let me kind of do it this way. You see the picture under it? It's a bit faded. I really would say this. I think part of the problem actually with what was going on with the Judaizers is that this, they really didn't see a big sin problem. In other words, it was kind of like in today's terminology, we're all born good. There's a blooming flower within all of us. And if we can just get that blooming flower to expose itself, the world would be a happy place. 
uh, the Bible says, um, not. Again, it's not the, uh, it's ultimately to show the good news. But the Judaizers really kind of had the, you know, we have a lot of strength within us and we can earn our way to God kind of a thing. And, and they ended up getting that it's Jesus, but it must also be a law liver where it's like I live in a fishbowl. Okay, maybe Jesus can bring us back to life, but this is the way we live within this little distorted bowl reality. Now, illustrations always fall apart at certain places. So just kind of go with me here. But if you're the fish on the inside of that bowl, oftentimes what ends up happening is, is you're like, man, I can see this huge horizon out there. Everything's wonderful. And then as you're swimming along, dink, you hit the wall. And you're like, whoa. And then you go the other way. And it looks like you're just in this whole wonderful thing. But the fact of the matter is, is you're contained. You're, you're, you're crammed down in this little teeny space. And all of life is distorted through the bowl. That's why the fish gets out of the bowl. Brought to life. And over the weeks, we're talking more and more about this whole thing. Listen, Paul was not happy about the hypocrisy fad of this of that day. A little bit of Jesus and a whole lot of work for it. Listen, this is an insult to the cross. Okay? The cross is freeing, as we talked about last week. It's marvelous. This distorts, this confines, this takes away from who's, who Christ is. And I just want to say, fishbowl theology, don't get hoodwinked. Don't get hoodwinked. Well, let's kind of carry this over to our illustration from last week. Um, we had this illustration in this, the waterfall. And in essence, what was taking place is over on this side, we were using the illustration is uh, we're all separated. This is God over here on this side. We're all separated, as we talked last week, from God because of sin, the Bible talks about. All are unjustified before God because of the sin chasm. And our works, end of Galatians chapter 2, are completely incapable of bridging us back with the Lord. And so Paul said, it's only by placing my faith in the person and the work of Jesus Christ can anyone be justified, can anyone be bridged back to God. See the bridge? I love that bridge. Because there's hope. There's great hope. Placing my faith in the person and work of Christ, what does that mean? Well, faith is believing the word of God and acting upon it no matter how I feel, knowing that God promises a good result. Again, faith is believing the word of God and acting upon it no matter how I feel because it's by faith. Believing that God promises a good result. Let me just real quick break that down. Uh, faith in Christ means believing the word of God. Uh, Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23, 6, the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, uh, for the wages of sin is death. That's the bad news as we've already referred to, but that's what the Bible says. But here's the cool thing on this Romans road, we'll kind of call this here. On Romans 5, chapter 5, verse 8, it says, But God showed his love for us, and while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Yeah, likened that one. I love what that's about. Listen, if I come to the place where I believe the Bible says that I'm a sinner separated from God, but yet the answer is, is God showed his love for me and having Christ come and die for me, doing for me what I could not do for myself. Do I understand that the Bible says that? Faith is believing the word of God. 
But faith is believing the Word of God and acting upon it. You see, I can know all that information and go, that is really neat. I love that. Love that. Oh, yeah. Woo! Go God. Yeah, you rock God. It'll be that. But yet I can leave it at arm's distance. It's the kind of thing, in essence, where I look at that and I go, that's what the Bible says, really? Wow, I'm a sinner separated from God. And you've provided an answer for me through Christ's death on the cross? Oh, my word. God, I'm in on that one. Can I have that gift? And God says, isn't that wonderful? You see, faith is believing the word of God and acting upon it, Romans 8, 9, and 10. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Christ as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with the heart that one is justified and it is with the mouth that one confesses and is saved. It's the driving the stake. I'm in. God, I want to be yours. Faith is believing the word of God and acting upon it no matter how I feel, knowing that God promises a good result. Remember last week, if you were here, we talked about it. What's the good result? The Bible says that when I do that, he forgives me of my sin. All of it. Oh, but it's better than that. That's pretty good. He not only forgives me of my sin, but he pardons me of the consequence of my sin. I'm in on that. Oh, but it's even better than that. Remember last week, it was kind of like I was saying, it's like if, if somehow I was tattooed with all the sin in my life on me and God yet somehow miraculously took it all and he placed it on the cross, he placed it in Christ. He did for me what I could not do for myself. It's like, yeah, I'm forgiven, I'm pardoned, but it's even better than that because literally the Bible says the righteousness of Christ is then imputed on me. I love that word, imputed. Doesn't that sound cool? Say it with me. Oh, don't you just feel like, Ugh. it's imputed on me. Listen, it's not just that I'm covered. It's not that just God isn't seeing anymore. It's that my sins are taken off of me, placed on Christ, and the righteousness of Christ is placed on me. Wowzer. I'm in on that one totally. That is so undeserving. That's why we call it grace. Isn't grace wonderful? Oh, by the way, that whole thing right there, when we really understand what really happened in that whole thing, my word alive, does that not like you go, if he's done that for me, I'm like all about living for him. That's what it should be. You see, I cannot earn myself to God. I cannot work myself to God. But because of what God has done in my life, my goodness, I get to work for him. Totally different. You see, in the Judaizers, we're going to the former. We can get a little bit more of God if I earn it. God then will really pat me on the back. No, 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 no. God has done a work in me. I get to live for him. <sighs> can you say, ah? <sighs> That's a beautiful thing. But there was a problem in Galatia. You see, with this bridge that we've got right here, the believers, watch it, the believers were being hoodwinked into this bridge. Now, you may say, well, that kind of looks the same, and it kind of does. But I want to tell you something. This isn't just about the same thing manipulated a little bit. This is a whole nother bridge system. You see, this is about... Okay, Jesus, yeah, okay, we're into Jesus' thing. But listen, you've got to earn God's favor. You've got to work for God's favor. 
This brings us to Galatians chapter 3. Let's start digging in. Here we go uh, in this. And I want first to understand Galatians 3 and 4. Huge chapters, huge chapters. Uh, in fact, uh, here Warren Wiersbe says this, the 60 verses that make up Galatians 3 and 4 are some of the strongest writing that Paul ever penned. But after all, he's in a battle. He was out to prove that salvation is by grace alone, not by works of the law. And his opponents had used every possible means to try and capture the churches in Galatia. And Paul was not an amateur when it came to debate. And in these two chapters, he proves his abilities as a debater. So here's where we're going to see today. You can see it on the notes on your sermon page. Two kind of categories we're looking at. Paul starts in the debating process and he says, listen, I want to tell you, remember your experience. I love that. You see, because a relationship with Jesus Christ is about a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's an experience reality. And Paul is going to talk about that here in the first five verses. And then in the latter six verses, he brings it back to the word of God and he proves it out. So I'm going to break it into kind of these three bombs that's in your notes. Let's bring up the bombs. We're going to, Paul, in essence, blows this bridge apart. He is so not about the works thing, and he's going to blow this out. He's going to blow it out by those three things, by your experience with Christ, your experience with the Spirit, and the Old Testament truth itself. So let's get going. You ready? You ready with me? Let's go. All right. Hey, God, I pray that you would help us just love, be lavished, and just be delighted in what we're about to take a look at in this next period of time. May you speak big. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. My experience protects me from being hoodwinked. Here's bomb number one. My experience with Jesus Christ. Look at this. Verse one. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? <laughs> Isn't that like a huggy love letter? Uh, uh, oh, foolish Galatians. Let me just make a comment on that. He's not talking about you are stupid. Uh, by the way, when our kids were growing up, couldn't use that word in our house. But he's not saying that because Paul didn't use that word in his house. <laughs> Something like that. It's not what this is talking about here. He's not giving an insult here. The word that's being used here for foolish is talking about uh, someone that's careless in their thinking. It's mental laziness. It would be like this. It's basically Paul saying, Galatians, no. He's speaking to believers in Christ. He's saying, no, wait a second. You have put your faith thinking on snooze. Okay? You're clicking out for a little while here. He's saying, listen, you're not thinking, Galatians. And then he says, who has bewitched you? Uh, in this bewitched, it's not sorcery, but it's, it's someone, you're becoming fascinated by something. Uh, your feelings and emotions are being misled. It's very interesting. I think what, part of what's happening here is they've, in essence, come to Christ by hearing the word of God, by hearing the message of the gospel, and then they start overthinking it. And it's like, wait a second, this whole grace thing, that's a little, like a little, uh, somehow I've got to earn this. I mean, because, you know, like you have a job and you get paid for your earning. I mean, you can't just get anything for free nowadays, right? I mean, anytime you hear someone, hey, I got a deal for you that's free, right? Isn't it true? In the back of your head, you're going, yeah, right. <laughs> I'm not a sucker. And you start thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking. And what's happened here is these believers in Christ have kind of said this. I'm all about coming to Christ through grace. And I can see how that can be the case. But now that I'm over here, you know, I've got to earn the rest of what God has for me. And Paul says here, this is foolish. This is bewitching talk. This is in many ways, this is emotional feeling talk. 
Then he says, it was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. He's getting real personal here. This is their experience. By the way, uh, none of them saw Jesus Christ hanging on the cross. I mean, these people are over in southern Turkey. This is quite a ways away. None of them were there at the time when Jesus Christ was crucified. What's being talked about here? And this is interesting. It was before your eyes. Uh, I would say this. Paul and Barnabas' teaching was so powerful, and they taught in such a way that people could see, grasp it, and feel it. I just want to say this. When we talk about the cross, I mean, do you get, like, personal on that discussion? Or is it all a head talk issue? I want to tell you something. It's got to be personal. This is not an academic exercise. This is not one and one equals two. This is about a relationship situation. And it's like, that's my, that's my savior on the cross for me. Like we talked about last week, my sin is put on him. I mean, literally Christ hanging on the cross. He took my sin, my goodness. It's like, I can see it right now. That's an experience. That, I'm not talking about like all of a sudden the heavens opening in the air. That's not what we're talking about. But we're talking about, it's so real, it's it's as if I was right there. And I want to tell you, I love the fact, I think, that Paul and Barnabas taught in such a way, and the Spirit of God used that teaching in such a way, that for people, it was like, man, dude, I am like so there, right there. It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ, what did they preach? Jesus Christ. What did they preach? Jesus Christ crucified. Well, that's pretty depressing, No, see, this is the deal. That's the good news. He did for me what I could not do for myself. Christ died for my sin and made forgiveness available for me. He did what I could not do. Thank you, Lord Jesus. It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed Uh, understand, he's not referring to the publicness of the crucifixion. It definitely was public. What he's referring to is the publicness of his teaching. I love this because he wasn't, uh, Paul and Barnabas and them, they weren't like in a back room trying to coerce people in and say, hey, I got a little bit of candy. That's not what was going on. It wasn't the dark of night. It wasn't coercion with someone grabbing their arm and twisting their arm behind their back. Paul is saying, listen, we taught, it was publicly portrayed. The the, the word portrayed in the Greek, it's plastered on as, as a poster, plastered in the town square. Today, I think we would say it this way. Listen, the teaching was put on a billboard. Everybody could see it. And what was the picture on the billboard? Paul and Barnabas are teaching Jesus crucified. That was it. And it was like, listen, he's reminding the believer in Christ. And it's not just a billboard. I mean, it's like you were there. He died for me. Hey, I want to say this. Do you get worked up about this whole idea that Jesus Christ was nailed to a cross for you. And does it work you up? It should. And I want to tell you something. If there's an emotional detachment from the reality of that, be careful because you're about to be hoodwinked. 
when you lose sight of the magnificent work of Jesus Christ, you begin placing yourself mentally in a place where you're an easy take. First, my experience protects me from being hoodwinked when my experience with Jesus Christ is forefront in my eyes. Second, my experience protects me from being hoodwinked. Bomb number two, when my experience with the Holy Spirit stays before my eyes. I like this. Paul starts out verse two. Let me ask you only this. Now, in your Bible, after he says that, you can go down, circle the question marks. Because only this is five questions. You know, it's kind of like when someone's intent on something or intense, intense on something. And it's like, hey, uh, like my daughter going over to Djibouti here this summer. It's like, hey, honey, have a blast. No, no, no. Wait, wait. Don't, did, did you bring your pillow? Did, did you bring this? Hey, uh, have a blast. And it's like, oh, by the way, God's big. Oh, and by the way, and it's like, dad, you just said you had one thing. And this is Paul. I love this. He's so intense on this. Hey, I just got one thing to say and five questions. So here he goes. Let's go with the questions. Uh, did you receive the spirit? See how he's changing? He's moved now from a discussion about God, the son to God, the spirit. Did you receive the spirit? I got to pause there for a second. I think sometimes we read by those statements and we just go so quickly by that. Folks, do you, do you get this believer in Christ? If you know Christ is your savior, the spirit of God has indwelled you. I, I'm just not talking like, you know, you're, you happen to be more sensitive to religious things. Boring. I, this, you have received the Spirit of God. Let's talk about the Spirit for a second. Uh, John 14, 26, Jesus tells us that the Holy Spirit is the helper. When Christ was, uh, before he had been crucified, he tells the disciples that the Spirit is coming to help them. He's like, I've got to go so the Spirit can come. Uh, by the way, it's not like I'm leaving so you get like lower level plan B. No, no, no. Uh, Christ came and did the work and the spirit of God, God is coming. Uh, sent by the Father in the, name of the Christ, in the name of Christ. John 14, 26, the whole trinity wrapped up right there. Now, what does he do? What does the spirit do? Well, uh, this is the cool part. Uh, over on our illustration, over on this side, what does the spirit do to the person who's lost and separated from the Lord? I love this. He convicts and reveals. I want to tell you something. Sometimes we can get this idea that, you know, these sad sack people that don't know the Lord, you know, come on. I want to tell you something. Do you realize that God the Father is working? He loves those people. He loves every one of them. And God the Father is actively working in their lives through the Spirit, trying to convict them, trying to help them come to see that they're separated from Him because God wants them to understand they're separated from Him. Why? Because God wants them over there. A great big God loves them. And He convicts them, but He doesn't just convict them like, you're a dirtbag. That's not what we're talking about. He convicts the lost sinner of sin and reveals the answer 
the great, wonderful, marvelous, fantastic, like stupendous, like out of sight, out of world, just whatever other words you want to add. Good news that there's hope and help for them. He reveals himself, John 16, 7 through 11. And then that person can choose to receive him, place their faith in Christ, or Acts 7, 51. God allows them to have the choice to resist it. I'm so grateful God convicts and God reveals. The Spirit convicts and the Spirit reveals. What about at salvation? What about at that point when a person comes to Christ? Well, here's the thing. Look, listen to this package. At salvation, when a person becomes, uh, receives Christ as their Savior, John 3, 1 through 8, they're born of the Holy Spirit. Now, that's like pretty born. I mean, that's a pretty big borning, isn't it? I mean, the Spirit of God you're born, becomes born of the Spirit. At salvation, a person is baptized, marked at birth, in essence, uh, marked as a birth certificate into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 14. It's not just like, okay, you're now, you're in. It's like, no, no, no. Uh, the Spirit of God is, is born of, I'm uh, become born of the Spirit. I'm now marked in the body of Christ. At salvation, a person is sealed by the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1, 13 to 14. They're sealed as a guarantee of a child of God forever. John 14, 16. I want to tell you something, folks. At the time when we received Christ, there was like this amazing thing. For me, it was when I was seven years old. And a Sunday school teacher talked about John 3.16 for like the hundredth time in my life at that point in time growing up in the family I grew in. And for some reason, it was that Sunday it stuck. And for some reason, uh, let's like do this. The Spirit of God was convicting and revealing in my life at that time. And it was, it was there standing between a bathroom door and a, and a drinking fountain at this church we went to one time. And I heard about this. And so I'm waiting for my parents to get out of church. And I'm just thinking about this, thinking about this. And I'm realizing, my goodness, I just learned that I'm a sinner separated from God. If I don't receive Christ as my Savior, I'm getting flushed. And for a little boy, that didn't sound too cool. So I remember standing there and praying. and said, Jesus, I, I, I want to receive Christ as my Savior. I want this. I, I want to learn what it means to live for you. I, I'm going to tell you, I didn't see the heavens open. I didn't hear, ooh, I didn't, it was just, for me, that was a drive the stake in the ground moment. God, from here on on, I'm, I'm, I'm seeking to commit myself by gr your grace to be able to be about you. I, I want to tell you, it was at that moment between that door and that drinking fountain, there was a massive work of God right there. There was no smoke signs on the wall or anything. But at that point in time, the Spirit of God indwelt me as a child of God, sealed me as His child. My sins were removed. The righteousness of Christ was imputed on me. And it's like, if I had the lens of God, all of a sudden, this seven-year-old boy went from over there to over there. It was a great day. And all I knew was this. I wanted to be able to live with God forever. 
And yet God's grace, over the years, I began learning more. You see when, how we start out by faith, coming to understand what the Word of God says and acting upon it, knowing that God promises a good result. That's how we come to Christ. And it's so important to understand that because once we come to Christ by faith, we don't change anything. It continues on that way. Now it's just a life I've been redeemed. Now it's all a life of coming to understand what the word of God has to say for me, acting upon it no matter how I feel, knowing that God promises a good result and I bring him glory. I'm just telling you, that's the story. But the Galatians were being hoodwinked into this system. In this system, I can somehow come to Jesus and then I still got to earn God's favor. No! That means no. Instead, the believer is called to walk with the Spirit. Galatians 5, can't wait till we get there here in some weeks. We're called not to grieve or quench the Spirit, Ephesians 5, 30. Why? Because I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 5. John 7, I love where it talks about, it's the filling with the Spirit. It's like this continual experience of drinking from a fresh stream. Can you just see the lips? Listen, understand this. It's not that I've been given a part of the Spirit and I need more of the Spirit. You see, when I come to Christ, I've been given the entire whole marvelous, fantastic package. And now it's about me learning to how to live out that package. I don't need another second blessing. I don't need to do this before the Spirit of God is going to dwell me. No, at that time, sealed, secured, made His. Booyah. It's a marvelous thing. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive that spirit by works of the law? Did you earn that? Or by hearing by faith? I vote latter. Would you? Hearing by faith. Let's keep on going. Are you so foolish? Yeah, because earning it does sound kind of foolish. Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit? Listen, I can't even take credit for my salvation. Well, but you chose Christ. Yeah, but I would never have chose Christ if God had not been working in this sad sack, totally depraved sinner. I can't even take credit for it. I love it. It's all a God work. Having begun by the Spirit of God, are you now? In other words, we're on this side of the, of, the, of the chasm. Are you now as a child of God being perfected by the flesh? No, no. That's what we just talked about. Uh, what is it? Verse four, I can't see up here. Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you, by the way, that's the Father, does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by, he- or by hearing with faith? It's kind of like, Paul, you've been talking like all this time about this hearing by faith and this works thing. Are you like going to get over this? Here's the answer. No! Because Paul, again, he's like, listen, if you buy into this bridge, you don't know the gospel. So Paul is coming and he's seeing these followers of Christ that are getting hoodwinked back into thinking this way. And he's blowing it up and he's saying, no, listen, your experience with Christ proves the fact that this is wrong. Your experience with the Spirit of God proves the fact that this works theology is wrong. And then lastly, he shifts into going back to the scriptures. Let me finish the rest of this. 
Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of law or by hearing with faith? Faith. Here we go. Verse 6. Just as Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, it's really important to understand kind of what Paul's doing here. If you're a debater, it's masterful. He's now switching from your experience to going back to the truth source. Okay. He's about to use six Old Testament passages of Scripture, get this, to prove that the Old Testament law livers were wrong. I love this because it's like they're looking back and they're going, well, the Old Testament says you got to do this and you got to do this and you got to do this. So Paul doesn't like do this mental argument with them. He's talking about, listen, your experience shows that what they're saying isn't true. But here's Paul just masterfully. He goes back to the Old Testament and he says, listen, I'll duel you out in the Old Testament with the Old Testament. So here he goes and he blows up the whole theory using the scripture itself. What a great example. Uh, And he goes back to Abraham. Genesis 15, 6. Why would he go back there? Well, because of this. In Genesis 15, Abraham is 100 years old. In Genesis 15, he's already heard prior to this that God was going to give him a son. He and his wife, what's his wife's name? Sarah, are without a child. And God said, I'm going to make a nation out of you. And when you think about it, you go, okay, that's really cool. Like a nation means like a lot of people. And when you don't have a child, you kind of go, um, uh, God, I don't know if anyone gave you the memo, but I'm a stinking hundred years old and she's beautiful, but she's like 99. And those two things, when you add those up, that's not a very good probability for having a kid. And he's actually really discouraged at this time. God, you promised we were going to have a kid. And it's like, are you there? Have you ever felt that way? By the way, I love the honesty of the Bible. Abraham comes out and he just says, Lord, I continue to be childless. And God says, I promise you will have a son. Faith is believing the word of God and acting upon it no matter how I feel knowing that God promises a good result. And then God walks Abraham outside, graciously points him to the sky. He says, Abraham, you see all the stars? I'm telling you, it's going to happen. Faith is believing the word of God and acting upon it no matter how I feel, knowing that God promises a good result. Verse 7. Know then that it is that those who are, I'm sorry, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham. Do you see that? If, if you know much about the scriptures, one of the things that we understand at the time of Paul's talking is the Judaizers, they loved the fact that they came out of the original bloodline of Abraham. And they got to the place where they thought, if I come out of the bloodline of Abraham, that's what gets me to heaven. Paul's like, no, that's so off. The whole Abraham thing, he never earned God's favor. It was always by faith, always. And the whole Abraham thing is the text here. It was ultimately about those stars in the sky. It was about getting the Gentiles, everybody on the planet on board. And he preached the gospel before unto Abraham saying, in this you shall all, uh, you shall all, I'm sorry, in you shall all the nations be blessed. 
So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Now here he's using Genesis 12, talking about the Old Testament truth is confirming the fact that God's going to reach the whole world. Let's keep on going. Verse 10, for all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, curse be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Verse number three, Deuteronomy 27, 26. It's all pointing to the fact, listen, what's the purpose of the Old Testament law? The purpose of the Old Testament law is to show all of us that we start over here. We cannot earn God's favor. So he's using this, he's just hitting at this whole thing, bringing back topics, addressing it. It's over here. Listen, you don't pick and choose the Old Testament law. It's there to show the fact that we're separated from God. Let's keep going. Verse 11, now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. For the righteous shall live by faith. He brings up Habakkuk 2.4. Never anyone is ever going to be able to live through the law. The law only kills Romans chapter 7, 7 through 11. Let's go to the next one, verse 12. Paul's just in this battering ram. Verse 12, but the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Leviticus 18, 5. The whole law system means you have to follow the whole stinking thing, and you can't. He just keeps hitting at it. Verse 13, Christ redeemed us. Isn't that sweet? In all of this law debater talk, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Why? By becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Isn't that amazing? The Old Testament talks about the cursing of someone who's crucified. Understand this, the law can't justify, the law can't impute righteousness, the law cannot give the Holy Spirit, the law cannot guarantee salvation, the law cannot give life or liberty, the law can only condemn you and I. The law points us to a great big need for a great big Savior. Verse 13, he redeemed us, he redeemed us, set us free. The Galatians were being hoodwinked. But Paul comes in and he says, listen, this bridge system you see right here, folks, this is heresy. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. Christ died for sins once for all the righteous, for the unrighteous to bring you to God. When that experience with Christ is personal, when that experience and understanding what the Spirit of God has done and is doing in the life of the believer, I want to tell you, friends, it protects me from being hoodwinked. And, but experience can be subjective. It's more than experience because we go to the Word of God. This is the truth source, not my experience. Where well, the experience is a wonderful part of it, Paul then takes us to the Word of God and he says this, it's by faith through grace alone. This is what the scripture says. Do you know Christ is your savior? Have you taken this Romans road across? Understanding this is so important because understanding this is understanding how to live over here. Finish with verse 14. So that in Christ Jesus, I love this is like a summary of it all. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. 
You see the whole thing with Abraham in the old time? That wasn't just about the Jews. That was about the whole world. And the blessing that God was talking about there, it applies for those of us who know Christ. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. Why? So that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. I want to tell you, folks, if you know Christ as your Savior, you've got to walk away from these passages and go, thank you, God, for what you've done in my life. And if you don't know Christ as your Savior, you have to walk away from these passages and go, wow, God, if that's what your word says, and I believe that, I need to act upon that. Let's pray. God, I want to thank you for our time together. I want to thank you just for your word. It's mighty, it's powerful, and it's just honest. I thank you for the fact that the word does tell us that we're sinners separated from you. I'm not really thankful about that part, if you will. What I'm thankful about knowing with that is the fact that you've provided an incredible grace answer for us to bridge us back to you. And Father, I pray for those of us who know Christ as our Savior, that we wouldn't just look at this as like it's an old, old story. This is the foundation of everything from here on out. Oh God, I pray that our experience with you would be real and vibrant and fresh. Just as though we see you crucified and resurrected like right in front of our face. It's personal, it's me, it's in me because of faith in you. And God, I pray that our trust in the Spirit, knowing that you have indwelled us, sealed us, hold us, secure us. Oh God, you empower us, you enlighten us. Oh Lord, thank you for that. Father, I pray we would continue to pursue after that relationship with you because it helps protect us from being hoodwinked. And I pray that we'd be men and women of the scripture, the ultimate true source that keeps us from being hoodwinked. In your name we pray, amen. Let's stand. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Spirit, Lord, we come. Gather together to lift up your name, to call on our Savior, to fall on your grace, and hear the joyful sound of our offering as your saints bow down, as your people sing, and we will rise with you lifted on your wings. And the world will see that our God saves, our God saves, there is hope in your name, and morning turns. songs of praise our God saves our God saves and hear the joyful sound of our offering as your saints bow down as your people sing and we will rise with you lifted on your wings and the world will see that yes the world
Savior, by faith, uh, through grace. And if uh, that's something that you don't know anything about, or the Spirit of God is, is doing His convicting and convincing thing right now in your heart, uh, please come forward, find one of the pastors or one of the people that may be stationed uh, down front here this morning, and check with them and talk with them about the gospel. And uh, those that uh, have the gospel in their hearts, live it out this week for His glory. Amen. All right, thanks. You are loved. Have a great week.